today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. He gets it. He understands that Jesus isn't just some roaming magic show, trying to impress people, trying to gather a following after himself. He understands that Jesus has authority. And he has authority over sicknesses and diseases. He gets it that within Jesus is the fullness of the power of Almighty God, I believe. I believe that he recognized that in Christ. He recognized that he had command over all of his creation. We do not serve a namby-pamby God. He is mighty and strong. Our Lord Jesus reigns over all and has authority over all things. In today's message from Luke 7, Pastor David teaches us about a Roman centurion whose beloved servant was ill. Because the Roman understood that Jesus had authority over all things, including illness and disease, the centurion had total trust that Jesus could heal his ailing friend with only a word. Christ was so moved by the Romans' faith that the servant was made well. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Faith and Compassion. important is faith? You think, that's pretty important, right? It is fundamental. It is absolutely necessary. You know what the Bible says, that without faith it's really hard to please God, amen? That's not what it says, is it? It says, without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. We must be a people of faith. There's just no way around that. After all, we worship one that we can't see. We, we, we devote our life to one that we, we can't touch. It's all a work of faith in our life. Outside of perhaps maybe one or two that might have had a, a supernatural vision, there's not a one of us that have seen Christ face to face here. None of us have seen God. And yet we worship Him, we devote our lives to Him, we sacrifice of our time, our treasure, our talents to Him, in order that He might be honored and glorified. Why? Because we believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith has to be there in our lives. Otherwise, this is just a 
This is just the Elks Club. This is just a, this is just a, you know, a get together, uh, bless me club that we come together, you know, and, and nothing else is going on. It's because we have faith in the reality and the truth that there is a God in heaven who, that Jesus Christ did come, and not only did he come historically, but he came supernaturally and spiritually for us to be that full and complete sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. Today, as we're looking in, we're in Luke's gospel record. We're in chapter 7 of Luke. We're going to read about two different events that happen in the life of Jesus. One of these is a healing of, of, of a man. It's a miracle of uh, a man being healed of a sickness that was bringing him almost to death. And the other is actually a raising or bringing back to life one who was dead. One deals with Jesus ministering to a Gentile and to a servant, while the other one deals with Jesus ministering to one of the daughters of Israel, a widowed Jewish woman who had just lost her son, her only son. We're going to see that Jesus deals with both of these people, both of them in in, in situations he deals with them equally, but he deals with them at the same time completely differently. He deals with the Gentile, he deals with the Jew. He ministers unquestionably to each one of them. He works supernaturally, he works at a a miraculous level in both of these lives. So we're going to look this morning in the one situation. Jesus is actually responding to, to the faith of an individual. Because an individual has such an enormous amount of faith, Jesus deals with that individual in that powerful way. The other one, though... He deals with the woman because of his own personal compassion and care. The woman doesn't ask for Jesus to raise her son. Doesn't say anywhere in the scripture that the woman even believed that Jesus could do that. And yet out of his own compassion for this woman, he steps in and raises her son from the dead. Two very similar events. Two very powerful events. Let's look at them. Luke chapter 7 this morning. Begin reading in Verse 1 says, Now when he concluded all his sayings, and speaking of Jesus, when he concluded all of his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom uh, he should do this was, was deserving, because he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Then when Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to the Lord, or saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. He turned around and said to the crowd that followed, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returned to the house and found the servant well, the one who had been sick. Let's look at the other one, verse 11. Now it happened the day after that, 
that he went into the city of Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he had come near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. He was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. And then he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. So here we have Jesus. He'd just been up on the mountaintop giving instructions to his disciples. We've looked at that over the last several weeks. He was giving them instructions of what it means to really and truly be living a kingdom life. What does it mean for you and I as disciples of the Lord to live a kingdom life? And if I'm going to be a disciple of his, then we need to live our lives this way. That's what Jesus said. Remember, we looked last week. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I tell you to do? We're lying to ourselves if on one hand we say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And yet on the other hand, we live a life of disobedience. Well, not that we don't fail every once in a while, but the whole function, the whole focus, the whole desire of our life has to be toward the things of God. And that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples. So after that time, they come down off the mountain. They began to come back to Capernaum as they come back to that uh, kind of home site for Jesus during his ministry. They're met by a group of Jewish elders. And they're there to ask him to come and to minister to the need of a a local official, uh, this Roman centurion, a man of great power, a man of great authority, a man undoubtedly of great wealth, but also a man who has a real caring for people. We see this man's attitude in a couple of different ways here in the scripture. We see his attitude of care and compassion. Number one, he he had sent these Jewish elders to Jesus because he was really and truly concerned about this servant of his, this one who was sick and ready to die. Now that's totally different than you think of these Roman soldiers, and particularly Rome even in its day. A servant was a piece of property, and that's all there was. But yet it says here that this was one who was dear to him. He cared about this young man who was sick and about to die. So his care and compassion was shown in sending these Jewish elders. Secondly, when the Jewish elders, when they came, they told Jesus that even though this man was a Gentile, he was worthy and deserving of Jesus' ministry, since he himself had graciously built a synagogue there in Capernaum for the Jews. They told Jesus, he loves our nation, and he built us a synagogue. And that would have been pretty unique for the time, because again, this combining of culture and ethnicity together just wasn't a normal for that time and place, especially with the Jews, especially with the Romans. And yet this man showed this care and this compassion for the servant, as well as for the whole nation and that community that he was serving in. Jesus then begins to head to the centurion's home, and then he's met by this second delegation. 
These came out directly again from the centurion, and it seems like they were expressing the very words of the centurion as they expressed to Jesus the heart and the humility that this man had. They spoke to Jesus in that first person as as the spokesman of the centurion. And he said, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. In verse 7, he says, Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But if you just say the word, I know that my servant will be healed. It's a powerful, powerful declaration. He told through his friends, he spoke to Jesus and said, I also am a man placed under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to the one, go, and and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. You realize, you see how this man, this soldier, this this Roman centurion, he gets it. He he gets it. He understands who Jesus is. Apparently, he had heard about Jesus for a while. Being there in Capernaum, Jesus had already been ministering for quite a while in that area. Undoubtedly, he had heard of the miracles of Christ. He had heard of the teachings of Christ. He gets it. He understands that Jesus isn't just some roaming magic show trying to impress people, trying to gather a following after himself. He understands that Jesus has authority. And he has authority over sicknesses and diseases. He gets it that within Jesus is the fullness of the power of Almighty God, I believe. I believe that he recognized that in Christ. He recognized that he had command over all of his creation. He gets it that all Jesus had to do was to simply speak the word, and the sickness would be gone. Verse 9 then tells us, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned around to those that were with him and said to the crowd that followed, he says, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He's speaking about a Gentile's faith. That has to make the, the, the Israelites, the Jews, feel kind of bad. What would he say today? He says, I've not found such faith, I tell you, not even within the church. You think that Jesus might be able to say the same word at times? I believe so. Jesus was blown away by this guy's faith. Here's a Gentile soldier, not just a soldier, a centurion, a tough warrior. And he has this Huge faith. And the word says that he marveled at the man. Can you imagine Jesus with, when he heard those words with his mouth open and his eyes wide? Are you kidding me? This Gentile centurion says, all I have to do is say the word and he'll be healed. He believes that. If we could put it in today's phraseology, maybe Jesus would say, shut up. <laughs> he believes that and you guys don't. He has faith for this, and he turns to the Jews and he says, I don't even see that in you guys. And he is a Roman soldier, a hardened Roman soldier. The actual Greek word there is thaumadzo. And thaumadzo is used throughout the New Testament in a lot of different ways as people are amazed, as they're astonished, as they marvel. But it's only used twice in reference to Jesus. One of those is here where he is amazed, he is astonished, he's blown away by the faith of the centurion. The only other time that Thaumadso is used in reference to Jesus being amazed or astonished is in the lack of faith 
of his hometown, Nazareth. That's pretty powerful. Think about that for a moment. The very thought that God in human flesh could be amazed by anything. And in both cases, we find in the New Testament, that in both cases that Jesus is amazed. It deals with an individual or a group's heart or attitude toward faith. Throughout the Gospel records, we find a lot of places where individuals, where where multitudes, they marveled. But for Jesus, just these two. He marveled at the abundance and the depth of the centurion's faith, and he was amazed, and he marveled at the shallowness or the lack of the people of Nazareth. Verse 10 tells us that the messengers went home and found that that young boy was healed that very hour. Healed that very hour. Jesus spoke the word apart from the young man, didn't have to anoint him, didn't have to touch him, didn't even see him. He just spoke the word and that young boy was healed. Some speak about coincidence, some speak about chance. There's others that flat out deny, yet some have faith to believe the improbable, faith to believe the impossible, faith to believe the supernatural work of God even today. So let me ask you this morning, do you get it? Do you understand the greatness and the majesty and the might of Almighty God in your personal life? Do you get it yourself? Do you see God still working in a supernatural way? How great is the working power of your God in the world today? What kind of things is God able to do to your understanding? What kind of things is God willing to do? What kind of things will God probably do? Let me ask you, can God delay your trip in order to have you avoid a major accident? Oh, I had to go back inside to get something. Wow, we got to this corner. An accident happened just before we got there. Has that ever happened to anybody? You've seen things like that? Let me ask you, can God orchestrate your day to allow you to meet a person that that then leads to this God event in your life? Absolutely. Let me ask you, can God supernaturally and in a moment heal a sickness, cure a disease, cast out demonic spirits? Can God, would God intercept our lives in an unexplained, unexpected, and even in unprepared ways? Can God do that? Can He and would He work in us or through us in a way that that takes us totally off guard, totally out of our comfort zone, and totally unbelievable to the outside world? I believe that He can. Some of you are nodding your head in agreement. Many of you saying, oh yes, yes he does. But I think if we were really honest with ourselves, a lot of us deep down into our hearts, we'd be saying, oh, he can do those things, but he probably won't. Many within the church today, they're willing to say, oh, he can do those things, but he just doesn't work that way anymore. Someone once said that faith isn't knowing that God can, faith is knowing that God will. God will do these things. So again, let me ask you the question, how big is your God? The God that you worship, that God that you cannot see, you cannot touch, how big and how real is He in your life? And when you think about the fact that God can be amazed 
then I think that we all have to ask that question of ourselves. Is God amazed at the abundance of my faith or the lack of my faith? Did you know that sometimes God moves in our lives, though even outside of our faith? As important as faith is, as necessary as faith is, there's sometimes that God moves in our lives outside of our faith. Regardless of where we're at in our faith, there's times, and I believe that the argument could be made that it's probably many times, if not most of the time, God is moving and working within our lives, not because of our faith, but simply because of the compassion of Almighty God toward us. Our faith and our lack of faith doesn't even enter the picture. Now, don't get me wrong. Our faith is needful. It's necessary. We need to be a people of faith. We need to believe God. But I can tell you right now, in many lives, my life and many times, your life and many times, throughout the Word of God in multiple times, God moved, not because of the faith of an individual, but because of the compassion and the plan of God. He simply moves. Why? Because He's God. Bring to your consideration a a, a fellow by the name of Saul of Tarsus who was on his way to Damascus and God intercepted his life. Do you think that Saul had faith? Oh Lord, as I'm driving along here, reveal yourself to me. No. God knocked him off of his high horse. To borrow a phrase recently used. Look at this next event there in verse 11. It says that, Now it happened the the next day, the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain and his disciples went with him and a large crowd came along. When he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and he began to speak and he presented him to his mother. Fear came upon all and they glorified God. The great or a great prophet has risen among us or God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. So as he comes in, as Jesus and those that were with him come into that city, even before they get to the entrance of the city, here comes a funeral procession because they're burying him outside of the city. And here was this man being carried out, followed by his grieving mother. And the problem was, this wasn't her first funeral, though. See, it tells us that she was a widow. So sometime in the past, she had also walked that very same path carrying her husband to his resting place. But at the funeral of her husband, she was more than likely comforted by the presence of her son, her only son, as it tells us. Did she have any daughters? We don't know, but this was her only son. Because on this day, she's walking the path without husband and without son. And the people of the city, they come and they try to bring comfort. They try to console her. They try to encourage her. But this woman's life was now almost to the point of being unbearable. How much grief, how much sorrow, how much loss can one person bear? At one point in time, she had been someone's daughter. All of the hopes, all of the dreams that, that come with that. She had celebrated with family and friends and the whole community probably on her wedding day. 
Her joy had to be overflowing at that point in time. And then somewhere along the way, God blessed them with a son. We don't know if they had waited long for a child, if this was the, like I said, no daughters, just the son. We don't know. We do know that this is the only son. God blessed them with a son, and I believe that she rejoiced in that. But then the harshness of life came and hid her full face from him. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.